Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Welcome, everyone, to episode 120 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. Thank you so much for joining us as we explore Stargate Atlantis Season 5. And to do that, I have Stargate Atlantis executive producer and writer Joseph Malazzi standing by here to uh, discuss uh, one of, of the better seasons of Stargate, as far as I'm concerned. This, is, uh, this was a diverse and uh, fantastic season of television. We're going to go into hashtag reasons for that in just a moment here. Before we get started, if you like Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal if you click that like button. It really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will help the show continue to grow. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend, and if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a tap will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days on both the uh, Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube uh, channels, but most uh, prominently on GateWorld.net. Uh, we will do clips later on uh, as we move into a different phase, uh, somewhere around springtime. So with this episode, it is a live show, which means that if you're logged into YouTube and you are watching the show through our Dial the Gate portal, uh, the live chat has our moderating team there asking... Uh, uh, everyone to submit their questions to Joseph Malazzi. In the second half of the show, we'll get to those. But in the first half, Joe and I are going to uh, explore uh, Atlantis Season 5. It is such a pleasure to welcome back my friend Joseph Malazzi, executive producer of Stargate Atlantis. Hello, sir. It is so good to have you once more. I, I've always, I, I have to pinch myself every time I have you on because this is – we're moving through the content. I well, congratulations on the big one two zero. I feel very special to be, uh, you know, to have landed as a guest on this most auspicious of uh, episodes. <laughs> I am grateful to have you. The final season of Atlantis. You guys went into that knowing, not knowing that this was going to be the final year. Correct. Uh, we actually went in assuming we would probably do uh, a sixth season. In fact, we did plan for a sixth season in sort of a um, kind of a general sense, uh, only to learn as this, you know, the production drew to a close that we would not be coming back. Uh, were contracts drawn up for a sixth season before season five had started? I mean, um, there were contracts in place. Okay. I mean, just kind of standard contracts where, you know, in general, if, you know, cast and, and and crew would get bumps uh with every pickup okay now what moves were being made like behind the scenes to facilitate a sixth season were were there just writing like story arcs that were being like gently molded was there anything in place to prepare for a season six that wasn't being 
necessarily in place for like a season four or a season five when the previous year was in operation or were you just doing what was normal at that point to set up the following season just in case we were preparing just as though you know just as in any other season i mean we didn't really go get that far down the road because to be honest with you we don't really plan for the next season until that season is done and our season was not done Having said that, one of the things that we did consider, and this was an idea that executive producer Robert Cooper threw our way, was um, we had been um, uh, contracted to write a an Atlantis movie, uh, Stargate Extinction. And Rob suggested we should contact MGM and talk about maybe extending the season by two episodes so that we could shoot that movie within the production, uh, you know, uh, engine, uh, you know, that, that we had established for this fifth season. And in the unlikely event, we did not get a, um, a, 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 a sixth season, then we could release the movie as a standalone, which was kind of, you know, what was pitched to us. But if we did get a sixth season, then that movie could be the opening two-parter for um, uh, Atlantis' sixth season. And so that's something we pursued that really never gained traction, unfortunately. But, you know, in, in hindsight, I wish we kind of really pushed a lot harder because, you know, when, once I remember going down to set and, and letting the cast know that we weren't coming back for a, a, a fifth season, but I was remember talking season. to, uh, sorry, sixth season, but I remember talking to Rachel uh, Latrell plays, uh, mm. uh, sorry, Taylor, and uh, and telling her, you know, what we had planned for for the movie, and that it would be a Taylor centric story, and uh, and sadly that never came to pass. I mean, we wrote the script, but uh, it was never produced. And this was we have to keep in mind at the point when when DVD sales were all the rage. Uh, you guys, I think this year we're looking at the performance of Arc and Truth of Truth and Continuum, which my understanding was they did considerably well. They did do considerably well. However, between the time those uh, DVDs were released, those 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 direct to DVD movies were released, and we uh, sent in our script for Stargate Extinction the DVD market had died. Essentially the bar- bottom had fallen out and MGM decided to shelf the uh, production on the uh, on the movie. Just absolutely crazy. This is the first time hearing that, uh, that Extinction was considered to be uh, a, a, like a, a bookend in terms of, of mm-hmm. production for season five. I guess fans would have been none the wiser if season six had gone on and you guys, well, hey, we, we, we've got this thing ready to go. Let's Let's slot it in. Yep. So, how uh, would Taylor have have been a central theme in season six? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. Well, the story for for Stargate Extinction. Um, if if you know, I, I, I one of the things I, I I should tell the fans is whenever I come in to do these live events, David tells me we're going to discuss season five, and I, I don't plan anything. So basically, this is just off the top of my head, I'm but uh, you know, from what I recall from the script, they um, Atlantis 
is going to make its way back to Pegasus and en route their engines, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they end up uh, experiencing engine, engine, sort of engine problems and ended <laughs> they break up down. stranded between Pegasus and, uh. Uh, and, and, and the Milky Way in another galaxy. And they end up detecting a, a power source coming from a world and they go to the world. And ultimately, with the story that unfolds, ended up uh, um, laying seeds for what would be the Stargate Universe story. Um, was it uh, uh, with the Descendants? What? Ah, uh, okay. Yes. So a, a common descent and epilogue. Common descent. Yes. Epilogue. Okay. So they the time up... travel twist that was used in season yes. two would have been the mechanism in. Yes. I yes. See. And so it was. It was a lot of fun, and and we would we de- we would be dealing with the descendant of. Taylor. So Rachel would have played two roles. Um, and one of the things that, that, you know, really saddened me is it was such a great taught episode as well, where basically you have um, the present day Todd, who's locked up, who encounters a future version of himself, who has designs on the planet and designs on Atlantis. And at the end of the uh, of the episode of the movie, um, he's basically in a position of power. He's about to kill uh, McKay, and Todd, our Todd, steps in and saves him, and ends up turning the tables on his future self and saving uh, Atlantis for his own ends. And then at the end, uh, when when they return to Pegasus, uh, Shepard. Uh, essentially rewards him by freeing him and and wow. the kind of they part way kind of uh necessarily allies but you know having achieved a certain understanding yeah because he's he's imprisoned at the end of the series yeah. um that's that's pretty sweet man that was <sighs> would have been great yep would have been great and, and I remember we also had or I, I had an idea for another sort of time travel uh John for the mid-season two part of that would have seen the team come back to Atlantis, but it's in Atlantis six months in the future that has been taken over by Michael, who has um, delivered a uh, um, uh, an attack in, in the form of a toxin that basically turns the Atlantis personnel into hybrids. And so they are hybrids under his control. So we would have had hybrid versions of the, you know, everyone on Atlantis with the exception of our, of our team who basically comes through and discover Atlantis has been taken over again. That was just a kind of a basic premise, but it, it, you know, I think it would have been a blast. So how would you have brought and Michael have back for that? Ah, uh, that, that's uh, another, uh, yeah. He's dead. Um, well, well, so we no think really Connor Trinier never believed friendship. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Connor's like, he's not that stupid. He's yeah. not he's not going to check himself, you know, yeah. put himself in, mm-hmm. in check by flying into Atlantis with a puddle jumper without having an option elsewhere. There was always a way. I mean, in the back of my mind, whenever we killed off characters, for days afterwards, I would, you know, go through this, this string of possibilities mm-hmm. and I would have always have a list of, okay, this is how we could bring the character back. And I, I know I did the same for Michael and I, I'm not sure what my list is, but uh, I would have, <laughs> the plan was to pull it out when it came time for discussions. Well, it, and season five is, has no shortage of those kinds of nods, particularly I'm thinking Robert Davi. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. let's get into, yeah. we've already discussed the dessert at the end of season five. 
my right. favorite part of dinner. So let's do the meat and mm-hmm. potatoes. Okay. And thank you for those answers. That's that's fascinating. Season five. Uh, so uh, began production in 2008. It featured the departure of Samantha Carter as uh, the base leader of Atlantis to bring in Richard Woolsey. Um, I think at this point, that's when she was going to do Sanctuary. Is that is that? That is correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. Pretty bold move bringing in a character that was not universally loved. I mean, mm-hmm. not like in a McKay sort of way. It was different. He really is like a a bureau. I mean, ever. I, I think regardless, everyone loves Robert Picardo, his mm-hmm. performance. But this kind of energy, you you introduced him in season four in the Last Man as kind of a future what if, and it ends up actually happening. Mm-hmm. Tell us about bringing Bob in. Uh, you know, I always loved the Woolsey character, and one of the things I loved about Woolsey was obviously. Bob's ability to uh, convey a sense of warmth and vulnerability and even likability, despite uh, the initial uh, nature of the character. And he did that through humor. And, you know, it was in the writing, but it was also in the performance as well. And like Rodney McKay, Richard Woolsey was a character whose character arc, you know, is 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 remarkable in that you start off hating the character and by the end of his run, you end up loving the character. And I, I have to admit, I mean, maybe because I've infinity for Bob, but I love the character. I love writing for the character. And when Amanda said she couldn't come back for fifth season, my mind immediately went to Bob and I thought, how interesting would this be? Not only the dynamic, but the opportunity to really continue that a rehabilitation for his character and so we did that by leaning on the humor and you, you know you saw you know little flashes of that where um you know where he's holding taylor's uh taylor's uh son or uh he's setting up his office and he has a frame portrait of his yorkie uh, uh, that was your idea wasn't it yeah it was yes uh <laughs> and he's very much a fish out of water and i remember reaching out to, to, to Bob and calling him and saying, hey, this is what we'd like to do. We'd like to bring and make him a series regular. And he was like, he was like, wow, I mean, I don't know what to say. He's like, you know, can I, can I discuss it? You know, he was married at the time. Mm-hmm. I can discuss it with my wife and, and, and get back to you. And I was like, yep. And, uh, and, um, and he came, you know, he called back and he's like, yeah, okay, I would love to do it. And, <laughs> uh, and, and he's like, what's the next step? And, you know, usually I would leave it to business affairs of the studio to handle it. Um, and whenever I would do that, it would take honestly months for deals to close, uh, wow. you know, because they have to go through whatever they, they do. And, you know, oh, you know, I missed your call and you missed my call and what's going on and no one gets back to each other. So I actually ended up contacting our um, uh, L.A. Uh, casting director, Paul Weber. And I said, I want you to reach out to Bob's team. And and uh, and he's like, oh. Okay, and and uh, and you know he called back like an hour later. He's like, okay, this is this is Bob's Bob's rate. Everyone has a rate. And I said that right. was fair. Great, let's close the deal. We close the deal. Bob called me back an hour. He's like, wow, that is the fastest I have ever you know closed the deal. And I was like, well, I'll come on board. And uh, and that's how Bob uh, Picardo ended up as uh, the commander of the Atlantis expedition. I love Richard, Richard Woolsey. Absolutely, Bob Picardo. 
No. I love how it's almost like even Atlantis doesn't really like him there because one of mm-hmm. the like un like undercurrents of the show is that you know Atlantis is in some way alive. It's it's been it's millions of years old, uh, and it even shuts doors on him. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really want yeah, him there. Was, yeah. I mean, that's something actually for the little things. Like, I always wondered, how how do those doors open and close? I, I always imagined it was motion sensitive. And so, you know, just to bring out the vulnerability in the characters. I mean, I wrote that scene. It's such a small scene. It's such a throwaway scene. But it just, you know, from the get-go, you, you know, you kind of feel for the character. Of course. He really is a fish out of water and doesn't know what's going on. And the doors close on him and he's like... You know, trying to get you're trying to activate them. They don't activate. Are you a Simpsons fan? Uh, I am, or I was a long time ago. I haven't watched it. Do you remember when Bart sold his soul to Millhouse? I did not. I'm not familiar with that episode. Yeah, he he sold his soul to Millhouse, and automatic doors would not open for him Ah. because he no longer had a soul. So I thought that I was thinking that in the episode. Oh, that was funny. Search and Rescue has a kind of 9-11 feel to it because of the rubble and the catastrophe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So the first episode is picking up where the last five minutes of Atlantis season four left off with John Shepard from the future returning with knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, or from our present John Shepard having gone to the future returning with knowledge gets everyone locked under rubble. Um, and Michael is on the way. Tell us about bringing, uh, this, uh, the, this uh, episode to life. You know, the one thing that really stands out for me was that set, that enormous rubble, uh, was it two or three level set? Mm. It was just, you know, insane. Uh, and shooting, there was an, uh, Andy Makita directed the episode. Um, and you know, it was just, that just honestly blew me away. What our production, uh, team could do, the art department could put together, uh, every season they would surpass, uh, my expectations. And this was a very impressive set. Although, I mean, it doesn't look like much, just like, uh, you know, whatever destruction, mm-hmm. but, um, it, it, it really was, um, impressive. Well, it has to be engineered. I mean, you can't just have the mm-hmm. actors walking all over these things. Right. It has to be reinforced, right. you know, yeah. so yeah. it's a jigsaw puzzle. And in this episode, we also um, find out when Continuum is placed on the timeline. Because actually move Continuum to between Search and Rescue and ostensibly the Seed. Um, mm. We didn't know when it was that, that it took place after Arc of Truth, but now we know because Carter is sent back to earth because the last ball clone has been found i thought that was a very nice nod Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the seed you have jennifer keller being transformed into the heart of a wraith ship yes i did not see that one coming (laughs) i don't know who pitched that idea i don't recall who pitched it it's it it almost feels like a rob cooper type of uh idea although in you know but 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 if it was his, I mean, he would have written it. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was it was one of the more more bizarre kind of horrorish uh, episodes. And I remember the uh, the network hated it, hated it. Really? Yes, yes. 
I'm not sure why, but uh, they were not fans of the episode. Hmm. Well, I liked it. I thought it was kind of cool. Me too. Me Broken too. Ties. Uh, mm. you return uh, one of the great guest stars of, of the show, Mark Dacascus, Tyre. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a part two from, uh, I believe, season four, where we had a uh, reunion, reunion yeah. with, with Ronan's uh, original comrades having turned mm-hmm. to Wraith. Mm-hmm. Um, what was uh, it like Work, having uh, Mark Dacascos on set and and working him with him alongside uh, having him work into the script along with Jason Momoa as Ronan Dex. Mark Mark is another guy that I I just another actor I love to work with. Very professional, very like just a super presence on set. Mm. Uh, so much so that uh, you know the end his character ends up sacrificing himself at episode's end and i had crew members coming back you know by going do you have to kill him off is there a possibility he'll come back and uh, <laughs> this is sci-fi yeah yeah exactly now one of the things that stands out about this episode was i, re- I recall between seasons jason really was the only cast member who always come by and basically pitch me ideas for for his character and he'd be like i want ronan to go dark side and so that was kind of the inspiration mm. for this episode. And between seasons, uh, Jason was having issues with his dreadlocks. They I was going to bring this of, up. Good yeah, for you. Yeah. So they were very heavy and uh, they're kind of taxing his scalp. So he was going to remove them. And I, I thought this was a great opportunity to lose the dreadlocks. And so I talked to him. You know, you could cut them off. We could actually shoot them basically after yeah. Ronan turns he cuts off his dreadlocks he's shaving his head sort of like Kurtz and uh um Apocalypse Now yeah a very dark moment and he loved it and and I you know I wrote it into the first draft and the network was like no no we can't have Ronan without his his dreadlocks and it's like ah what a what a missed opportunity and uh you know if you look at Jason Momoa right now he looks pretty fine i think without the dreadlocks but we're used to it now yes yeah yeah but then so they're like no but he still didn't want the dreadlocks and and if they were making him uncomfortable i was not going to let him you know make him keep the dreadlocks so we compromised and ended up creating a wig out of his actual hair out of his dreadlocks and they were i don't know if it was you know i mean that it worked it worked i guess it was it amazing no did it work yes it's fine <laughs> yeah so that's you know the the strongest memory i have of that episode is is you know jason coming in his pitch inspiring the episode the opportunity to go dark side the opportunity to write the loss of the dreadlocks into the script mm-hmm. and are being denied sadly by the network uh and uh and, and having to make do with the uh, with the wig, the uh, the the wraith enzyme was really used over the course of this show as an opportunity to explore uh, habitual uh, recreational drug abuse, mm-hmm. uh, and in this case, it is something that makes you genuinely more powerful. And coming off of it is uh, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You did this. With- I have to say that. that- that was probably the greatest Jason Momoa performance I've ever seen. 
him coming down, just this entire episode, mm-hmm. he, he is fantastic. And, and, you know, he, he shows a lot of range and it just shows what he is capable of. I agree. The Daedalus Variations. I love these stories that don't have an explanation for their impetus, where mm-hmm. we are just a a a longer line in a chain of of scenarios that we're just the next one on the list. A Daedalus from somewhere else arrives, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. our team goes for the ride. And we we discover what's causing it, but we don't dis- we don't ever discover really you know, we, we don't like get the technology for ourselves. You know, we're just, yeah. we're just kind of uh, uh, snatched a, away on a moving train. A true standalone episode. Uh, yeah. We present a theoretical, a theoretically plausible sci-fi idea. And we use that as our door in and ultimately our door out. Uh, and, and, and as you said, it's, 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 it's one of those episodes where, we we jump on for the ride and we jump off and 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 you know the train keeps uh keeps rolling without us <laughs> it's one of those where you know it doesn't have a definitive uh necessarily starting point or ending point except in our own reality mm-hmm. and we have to recognize that in the universe there are broader consequences that just tick along without us and i think yeah. it, i think this it's it's good for episodes like this because it reinf- for us to have episodes like this because it reinforces that we really are very small in the universe and not everything yeah. is yeah. buttoned up at the end because it's a sci-fi series written by a bunch of guy- uh, guys and gals in Vancouver on Earth. You know? That's why, yeah, that's exactly why. That sums up a perfect why. I love the episode. All the same, I'm actually surprised by how many fans really love this episode. They really love the episode. They they really wanted more of the uh the aliens that we introduced in these episodes they were actually very cool looking aliens and who knows if we'd done season six maybe there might have been an opportunity to bring them in at some point but uh uh yeah i mean i I, i'm always you know generally surprised by what episodes land and what episodes don't the ones that invite you to open your mind a little bit more beyond what you're normally comfortable with are the ones that get me and Mm -hmm. it's like you know what if you know, I love that. You know, what if yeah. what what if the first time that we went to Atlantis was not actually the first time? What the first time happened? We mm-hmm. failed, you know, which was an idea you submitted to Carl Binder. And it's what? I think I think it was. I think Carl's uh, Carl said that 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 story nugget came from you, that the time travel twist in um, Before I Sleep. Oh, oh, it's possible. I don't know. I mean, to, be, <laughs> to be fair, to be fair. When we were in that room, we would all throw out ideas, okay. and, and the person who wrote the script was not always the person who, who, uh, you know, who came up with the original idea. I mean, even even though we came up, for instance, with the idea with Window of Opportunity, it would have been a very different script, if uh, and probably a lot less successful script uh, episode, if uh, if we had gone with our first pitch. But you know, Robert Cooper was like, "No, do this, do this, do this." make it a comedy, mm-hmm. do our Groundhog Day. And and even though we wrote the script, it was because of, you know, Rob's direction Correct. that uh, we ended up with 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 uh, a such a beloved episode. Ghost in the Machine. I have a, a uh, this, this episode is very double-edged for me because it brings back Michelle Morgan as Fran. Mm-hmm. Well, as we're. 
wonderful guest star. Mm-hmm. Um, but also was a missed opportunity in that uh, uh, Tori uh, had an opportunity there and specifically declined. Um, she has has gone on to say uh, that at this point in time, you know, she wasn't really sure how she was feeling about uh, certain working relationships and later came to understand and uh, get her 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 footing and, and understand particularly with appearances on dark matter um, mm-hmm. where things actually were, where things actually were. So a lot of things that, that didn't get said at this point in, in history. And at this mm-hmm. point in time, a lot of uh, understanding eventually came about that might have changed ghosts in the machine, you know, in terms of casting. Yeah. I, I mean, it was a missed opportunity, but in all fairness, um, you know, I, 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 sympathize with 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 Tori I mean it, it was a difficult situation and when she came back for what was the last episode she did um uh it was be all my sins remembered beyond was it be all my sins remembered it was, was a that the great she, she ending was lying down and, and she was operated on or or um be all my sins no, remembered was, was her last she appearance was yeah. yeah so the 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 last two that she was in that uh was mm-hmm. Oh, for heaven's sakes! Let me go back to the other one. I, I just, I just recall that that I mean, that that mortal coil. She, she, uh, yeah, was it mortal coil? Okay, yeah. I'm sorry, I broke okay. your train of thought. No, 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 no. I, I just re- re- recall that that, for instance, um, we there the episode. I think the episode where she was injured or one of the final. Uh, 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 latter sort of maybe season season uh, beginning of season four episodes, uh, she was in the in the operating table or she had, she was having brain surgery. Yes, this was adrift. Yeah, and and it was difficult for her, and just basically lying there, and it, it was just a very grueling, um, uh, you know, production for her. And so, so in that respect, I mean, and so I, I think you know that was one of you know that that kind of I think colored unfortunately her. Uh, her, uh, her, her, you know, her feelings towards sort of, you know, coming back and, and like again, I, I, I totally get it, and and like, and, and mm. I do love Tori, and and which is why basically I, mm-hmm. I essentially wrote the role for her, Commander Truffaut on 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 Dark Matter, and uh, and uh, and she because I knew she would kill it, and she did kill it. She was uh, phenomenal, and um, you know, if, if if I ever do another show again, I will, you know reach out to Tori and hopefully we'll, you know, our professional paths will cross again. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, um, it's a sad ending for the character. It is a sacrifice, but it is yep. a tragedy as well because she kind of just floats off into the, into space and just goes to sleep. You know, yes. her, it, yeah. her mission is fulfilled, but it's, it's a sad a conclusion for an, when you think of Simon, when you think of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, this this very human character, um, you know, it's it it is it is a a fitting conclusion to someone who have sac- who would have sacrificed herself for her team it, in her mortal form anyway. I agree, and it is a sad conclusion, um, mainly because we didn't get the opportunity to do any more episodes. Correct. But in my mind, she was never killed. She Oberon, you know, Oberon basically tells them. 
well, you know, I, um, she's, you know, uh, the Elizabeth Weir that, 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 uh, that you knew, you know, we, we, we got rid of her, but you're taking the, the, the you know, the word of <laughs> your enemy. Yeah. Yes. And in my mind, there's no way he would have done away with her. He would have wanted to keep her to essentially use her as an information source. So, you know, in my mind, she was alive somewhere, as I put it, on ice. And I ended up writing that scene for uh, um, Comic-Con a couple of years ago, where they end up, the Atlantis uh, team ends up discovering her uh, um, in, in stasis and awakening her. And, and uh, that's the way I would have brought her back if I had, I had the opportunity. And I love that scene because I consider it canon. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I would imagine some sort of like a... Uh, you know, it's, you know, a command split when she returns to uh, to Atlantis and, you know, her and and and, and uh, Woolsey would have found a way to work together. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think so as well. This season, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm just looking down the list. Just one after the other was really, in my opinion, just knocking them out of the park. The Shrine, very personal mm-hmm. episode for Brad Wright. Uh, yeah. brought about a terrific round of performances from everyone. Uh, yeah. Tell us about watching that 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 episode come to life. Yeah, I mean that episode really came together well, and 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 Brad wrote a, a phenomenal script, really heartfelt script. Uh, and you know, I, I ended up doing a um, a uh, a Stargate um, was it like. Um, Kind of a March Madness setup where where I, I you know sixty four of the top episodes faced off and uh, I think Shrine ended up making it to the top four if not the top two uh, episodes of the entire franchise so kudos to Brad and kudos to uh, everyone involved in that episode Wow absolutely yeah it's uh, the the scene on the pier between Rodney and John is is mm-hmm. largely touted as as the best scene between those two characters uh, in the in the story. Um, you know, th- there's, there are arguments as to who, who, uh, Rodney was closest to Carson, uh, you know, was, was ba- basically considered to be, you know, his best friend because it was spoken on dialogue mm-hmm. at that point. I think it was after that, it was John, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that those two were, even though they were polar opposites in terms of personality, um, they had each other's, well, and, and, you know, John had a special relationship obviously with Ronan, they were brothers, but there was yeah. something about the Rodney Shepard dynamic that just worked. Yeah, yeah, and and this episode and that scene certainly cemented it. I understand they were actually drinking beer. <laughs> uh, it's possible. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Whispers. Yes. Oh, man. That was a technically challenging episode. Yeah? Ultimately, it didn't really come together as, as you know, quite like I had hoped. I mean. No it, way. It, I remember, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was just tough for many number of reasons. I remember, you know, we we tried, originally we tried smoking an entire set and everyone ended up getting headaches. And so, you know, we couldn't do that. So we ended up tenting certain areas and, mm-hmm. and kind of using uh, kind of the smoke machines or the fog machines. And then we would air the place out between, uh, between uh, takes. Um, it was just, it was tough for like, a number of reasons, but it, w- it was a fun episode in that uh, we got to do horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you know, the cast was great, but 
you know, I, 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 I do love me some Paul McGillian and uh, he was fantastic in this episode. Truly fantastic. It was great to have him back. I love um, the guest cast for this episode. Mm. You have um, <clears throat> Al, uh, Nicole DeBoer, you have Janina Gavankar, yes. Christina Cox, yeah. and um, Leela Savasta as mm-hmm. the all-female team. And this mm-hmm. is one of those where, you know, mm-hmm. if, if we had a season six, that would have been in the top three things for me that yes. I would have loved Absolutely. to have seen back because the chemistry and the comedy is gold. It would have been one of the top three things I, I, I would have done in season six is uh, bring back that uh, that team. And uh, Allison Porter, Nicole DeBoer's character, a mm-hmm. possible uh, uh, nod. Love interest for her. Yeah. For Beckett, yeah. For Beckett, you know. Yeah. I could see it. I think it worked. Yeah, yeah. And she, yeah, I love Nicole. She's a great actress. And, and, and you know, there was definite chemistry between these two characters. Janina Gavankar, we had her on on Gateworld after this episode aired, and uh, she she sung your guys' praises. Where you know she she her character Dusty originally had a different name, and then you guys cast her, and she was like, "They changed my last name. They made me Indian." I'm like, "Hey, you know these people pay attention, so mm-hmm. they want to make they they want to make the show as as believable as possible." And Dusty was just one of my favorites with just her up on the. Uh, on the second story balcony, ready to take someone out. And she's, yeah. she gets out a pack of gum. And yeah. she's like, this is just another afternoon at the office. Yeah, she was, uh, she was a fun, fun character. I loved her character. And Janina was great. And, I mean, she's gone on to do great things. Oh, I my mean, gosh. She's a bunch of network shows. Yeah. She's, uh, she's released uh, at least a few singles as well. Uh, she sings. She does it all. I've been trying to get in touch with her to do this show. I want to have the four mm-hmm. of them back for a commentary. Um, mm-hmm. Nicole is aboard. I'm trying to get the others. So we'll see. The Queen. So it's important to remember that Rachel has just had her son. Yes. Um, heavy prosthetics demand. Yes. And also, we've been in need of, of a good Taylor episode uh f- yep. for a little bit here and so this was an opportunity to bring back todd mm-hmm. and introduce yeah. a new tier of wraith type of queen uh mm-hmm. and have atlantis uh, have have atlantis have taylor play around a little in the in the wraith makeup yeah. yeah i mean this was this is a great episode for rachel uh for rachel's character maybe not such a great episode for rachel because it was tough for her i mean you know you know, looking back on, you know, on, on season five, a lot of fans were like upset that that the Taylor character got short shrift. And to a certain extent, they're right. But it but and, and I want to say it wasn't intentional, but it was intentional because she was taking care of her, 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 mm-hmm. her, her son. And so we tried to give her as much time as possible. And, and, and that meant maybe lessening the screen presence of her character. Um, no disrespect to her character, but we kind of respected her her, her kind of wishes and wanted to sort of find a you know a way to to mm-hmm. to make things work, keep her character alive, but also give Rachel the, the time she needed. And so, you know, we came up with the idea for this episode. We pitched to her; she loved it. Uh, but then, you know, as you mentioned, all that makeup um, it did require it was a huge commitment uh, um, for her. And she was, you know, uh, Rachel is, is is wonderful. In fact, I should just uh, I just heard from her uh, um, I think yesterday, the day before ah. yesterday. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, she's, 
she's she's just overall terrific. She's just fantastic in this episode. I just love this episode and with its study of wraith uh, uh, politics and, Hierarchy, and, and yeah. the way they get things done. There was a, a beginning of of peeking in behind the curtain to see like the machinations of that society. And if it had taken like a different turn, it wouldn't necessarily have worked in my opinion, but this one mm-hmm. really, it really plays solid because it's, she and, and um, uh, Christopher Heyerdahl make it work. You yeah. know, they make it believable. Yeah. yeah. Tracker. We've brought mm-hmm. uh, uh, back Mike Dopud. Uh, okay. For Atlantis, originally he was he was a Russian. He was the bounty hunter Odai Ventrell in in SG One, uh, and now he would go on to be as, right yeah. Varro. But in this, he is Kirik. So, and he is a, uh, a another runner similar to to Ronan, mm-hmm. except he is he has it's kind of a a lone wolf and cub situation because mm-hmm. he has a younger charge that he is protecting and that's why he steals yeah. Keller. Yeah. 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 Uh again, I mean you've had you've had Mike on the show, I assume. Uh um, not on this one, but on Gateworld, yeah. 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 Just stand up guy. You know, you were you were going through also the actors I I I loved to work with and and Mike is one I brought, you know, had him on Dark Matter and mm-hmm. uh and again if I if I get another show, uh, eventually he's an, a guy I would love to work with again. Um, but you know, just just again, also versatile, but just mm. a uh, a very likable, like a very likable person, and and that kind of seeps into his performance. And and you know, the character is is, is very likable as well. This was a kind of a fun episode, running around in the woods. Remember, the yard department had a blast coming up with these contraptions. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it, 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 it was another kind of seminal episode. I think it was one of those episodes where um, I forget who wrote it, but a freelancer came in to to pitch it, and he he pitched out an idea David Schmitt. that had nothing, yeah, and it had nothing to do with 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 uh, with what the episode would turn, turn out to be, and uh, and and so he was talking, 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 and then. Rob was like, hang on. He goes, did you say tracker? And and the guy was like, no. He's like, oh, I thought you said tracker. And that gave me an idea for another story. And Rob pitched out the story that is <laughs> tracker. And and it basically was inspired by mishearing right. uh, the guy uh, pitching. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the the ways that, that one comes to story ideas is you know, they'll they'll come from anywhere. You just have right. to keep your ears open. Yeah. First contact and the lost tribe. Uh, Martin Giro talked about, you know, the, the, the speed at which, uh, these two actors, uh, David Hewlett and Michael Shanks speak really mm-hmm. influencing the number of pages that were written for this episode because they mow through the dialogue very quickly. Yep. Um, and this is, this is a great buddy, uh, pairing, uh, two-parter mm-hmm. because you, you've, you've got, you've got, uh, Daniel and Rodney working on one front. You've got Richard Woolsey and you've got Keller and you've got Ronan on the mm-hmm. spaceship going to to mm-hmm. make a potential peace treaty. And mm-hmm. a big surprise in the second half of this episode as well. This is a great mid-season two-parter. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and 
these are the type of episodes that Martin was especially adept at. Those, the big two-parters, the, the, the big mythology episodes, especially the big uh, uh, McKay episodes. And, uh, and this episode had it all. And, and, you know, Martin was good at all that, but also money, uh, Martin's a very funny guy. And so there are just great flashes of humor throughout this episode and, and, and the next one. This is a great uh, premise as well. Uh, turning on a piece of technology that disrupts or destroys subspace. The, mm-hmm, Wraith, can't, mm-hmm. the, the Wraith can't use their hyperspace frequencies. And the mm-hmm. Stargates don't work. They blow up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's scary. Yeah. <laughs> and it works. Uh, it's, it was one of the one of the coolest visual effects sequences where the Atlantis Stargate actually detonates, and you know the shield has to shrink around it and mm-hmm. uh, almost destroys the tower, the mm-hmm. the central spire. Um, but I have to uh, give tremendous praise to bringing back the Asgard. Uh, mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. we we lost them a season and a half before, and you've got the puppet sitting around in his in his you know yeah. coffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, with all of his stuff, and this was a this was a great uh, reintroduction. Unfortunately, it was spoiled out the wazoo by sci-fi, um, as as would often happen. <laughs> whose idea was it to bring him out of storage? I do not recall. You do not recall, but it it could very well have been a Martin Garrell idea. Okay, but I loved this because you know it's it suggests a possibility that the personalities inside the Asgard core could have been rejoined with physical bodies from mm-hmm. these alternate Asgard, Vanir, whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the future. Like maybe potentially the Asgard weren't always gone for good. Yeah. As uh, outsiders, we have Beckett uh, back once again. He's, he's apparently out in the Pegasus galaxy uh, doing his thing. Uh, the there are survivors from the Hoffen uh, plague. So mm-hmm. the Hoffens uh, created a plague that would wipe out the Wraith if they attempted to feed on them, and so the Wraith have been systematically eliminating them throughout uh, the Pegasus galaxy. Alan McCullough wrote this episode. Um, any thoughts on that one? I don't even remember this episode. Okay, that's no, all right. It's all right. It was not one yeah. of it was not uh, one of the ones that I remember that well as well. Inquisition uh, mm-hmm. was. An episode Alex where Levine's, Alex Levine was our uh, script coordinator, and this was his first credited uh, script. And he has actually gone on to write for shows like Orphan Black, for which I think he yes. won the um, CSA, whatever that stands for. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a Canadian equivalent of uh, the the Emmy, um, and uh, he's done actually quite well for himself. This is and a this great first yeah. story idea, and it's yeah, one that one, had been bantered yeah. about in Stargate before, but it had been bantered about because, as a result of fans' criticism about the Atlantis expedition and the fact that you know they are responsible for opening up this, the can of worms that are the wraith, and so we thought, hey, why don't we write an episode that addresses yeah, it? and uh, and and it's a great episode, and we get to see Woolsey uh, in action in his element. And he at at the end of it, he kind of gets away a little slippery, you know. Mm-hmm. He he has to maneuver some people into letting Atlantis off. So it's it's th- this was an interesting one where it's like you know we yeah we are guilty and uh, yeah mm-hmm. we kind of mm-hmm. do get away with it, but yeah because of you know reasons 
So right. it was it was an interesting ending, and I love the scene of of him and Shepard on the balcony with the cigars. Like, whoo, that was a close one. Yeah. Let's smoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the prodigal. Mm. Oh man, uh, yeah, Michael comes to Atlantis to yep. you know his obsession with Taylor goes one step too far in mm. this one. Um, mm-hmm. We never really find out what his specific aspirations were for um, for Torin John Imagen, other than the mm-hmm. fact that you know he. I think he wanted to 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 hurt uh Taylor as much as she deceived him. Mm-hmm. Uh marvelous episode, man. Yeah. I love yeah. this show. And, and one of the best uh I think fight sequences we've ever done on the show. On the Is roof. That throw down between No, actually it's a, it's a one in the in the room between Ronan and Oh um, yes. Especially one of my favorites. Yes, and we uh mm-hmm. we bring in uh for that one I'm trying to remember. We had uh, oh, who was uh, Sharon Taylor, Amelia Banks. Oh yes, that was, yeah. begins that that sort of pairing. That was really mm-hmm. really cool. Kickboxing mm-hmm. lessons. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised. I wasn't surprised, but I was surprised. You know, you have kind of a Batman Joker situation with with Michael mm-hmm. hanging off the the roof of the the spire, and he's. Now that his chips are down, he's like, Taylor, please, you know, I won't do it anymore. <laughs> and Taylor, well, Taylor, John looks at Taylor mm-hmm. and he's like, hey, you know, this is whatever happens next is right. in, is in the balls in your court. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. kills him. She kills him because the life of her son is at stake. Yep. And she's not going to take any chances as a mother. Yep. I completely believe it. And it mm-hmm. led for one of it. It was a great episode from mm-hmm. from beginning to end. It's a it's a family episode. It uh, it really shows that you know this this team of explorers they've really solidified as a group, and mm-hmm. uh, you know they ain't going to take any crap from any hybrids or anyone else. Mm-hmm. Remnants. You had yes. a great guest star. Uh, in the form of, uh, well, you had actually a few different guest stars in this one, but Anna Galvin, who would later mm-hmm. return uh, as Chloe's mother, I believe, in Stargate Universe, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. was she played a British uh, uh, expedition member named Vanessa Conrad. I believe she was Australian. Oh, excuse me. Was she Australian? I believe so. Australian. You are 100% mm-hmm. correct. Spank me, Rosie. All right. She, a, a terrific uh, uh, guest appearance. Robert Davi as Kolya brought back mm-hmm. once more uh, mm-hmm. because we don't know what's going on here. We, we know that he's dead and mm-hmm. yet he's, he's well, he's, he's taking uh, hunks off of our heroes. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, this, this is actually one of my favorite episodes. When I, when I look back on the franchise, if I was to like name my top five episodes, this is one of my top five just because it's, it has everything I love in an episode. I love writing about. I like to juggle different storylines, seemingly unrelated storylines, and find a way to dovetail them at the end. And and this episode allows me to do it. And it's, it's also one of those episodes where you don't really know what's going on. And and as the episode progresses, things grow 
increasingly more bizarre to the point where you actually cut off John Shepard's hand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that point, I mean, it's not as bad as killing someone. When you kill someone, then everybody automatically thinks, oh, it's, it's, uh, um, you We're know, used it's, to it's that time travel or, yeah. or, or, or something. But when you just cut off someone's head and it's terrible, but in the back of your head, you could possibly be thinking, holy, holy crap, is, is, is John Shepard just, you know, the, the character not yeah. going to have a hand that could stick moving forward? Yeah. 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 I mean, in shows like Game of Thrones, it did in fact stick. Mm. <laughs> but in this yeah. one, I was, yeah, because, you know, he holds up his stump and I'm like, yeah. Oh, man. You know, and you know, a fighter, you know, that that's one of one of his methods of, of defense. Yeah. Almost like yeah. a piano player or a doctor, yeah. you know, yeah. his. That was that was that was a, yeah, that was a good. I, I remember write, writing the episode, and and that was the act out where Kolya just winds up and comes down. Yeah. And I just thought, ah oh, man, you know, I would just love to know what is going through a viewer's head uh, as they go to commercial and have to wait what, what is it, a minute and a half to two to find out what what the hell happened. <laughs> um, one thing I do remember at this episode is Robert Cooper, Cooper coming into my office and saying, um, "You're just torturing." Shepherd too much just because he gets beaten he gets his hand cut off and uh his life sucked uh, out of him yeah, repeatedly and, and yeah and and robert just said you know it's, it's too gruesome it's, really? it's too much yeah and you just said i want to do it or did you have to yeah. did you have to kind of massage it no no i mean i i wrote what i wrote and oh good and, uh, yeah I, you're uh, executive producer i mean well, yeah, yeah at that point but i mean <laughs> to be honest with you like nine times out of ten i would always take uh, Rob's notes, but in this case, I felt pretty strongly about uh, uh, what was happening to uh, to John. So, uh, uh, in this case, I just kind of kept it as is. There are um, you you take risks maiming your hero, um, mm-hmm. and or, or diminishing them in any kind of uh, real capacity you know and Mm -hmm. it's it's one of those situations where i think that it just i think it paid off in spades not because Mm -hmm. you know it's 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 undone at the end but we see him you take chances when you see your character your character is vulnerable and also as an episodic show they have to kind of somehow reset back to position one at at the end of it but it's how you play with them when when the chips are down that I think makes makes it satisfying. And this episode is one of the ones that works. And the sci-fi mm-hmm. the sci-fi idea of a probe trying to figure everyone out, you know, and determine what they what they're mm-hmm. dealing with before it reveals its true nature is a great one. Mm-hmm. I I love the look of the Sakari as well at the end. You know, I think yeah, that... we want to do something alien, very alien. Right. So, Says, yeah. you know what, Rodney? Let me show you what I really look like. Yeah. So it was cool. It probably so... wouldn't have worked out then. Yeah. <laughs> After all. Brainstorm. Yeah. So this was an episode that my understanding is there was a request from, I think, the network for all the shows to do a an environmental awareness week. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? There was something that in correct. that vein. That okay. is correct. And, you know, we got the request and I was like, how are we going to shoehorn a message, a very special PSA message into uh, <clears throat> into an episode? And 
Martin had already kind of an idea for, for brainstorming in, in the works and it just, uh, it, it just turned out to, to, to fit perfectly. Um, and, and so, you know, he ended up not only writing, but directing the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some great guest stars. We had, um, uh, Neil Grass Tyson. We had, um, um, uh, Bill Nye, um, Bill Nye, who through this episode ended up, um, you know, becoming a very good friend of Martin's and, and guest starring on, on, on blind spot as well, where he actually, uh, um, kind of name checks, uh, I think he does uh, Rodney McKay at, at one point and, um, Kids in the Hall actor um, Dave Foley. Dave Foley was the nicest guy, and I remember being on set, and I got a call from MGM, and and um, I forget it was one of the executives, and it was like, okay, one of the girls who works for me is a huge Dave Foley fan. Could you get uh, him to like sign something for her? And he was standing right there, and I was like, oh, would you mind? You know, and he's like um what's your name and I, and I forget what her name was like you know uh-huh. Cynthia and, it's, and I was like put Cynthia on and she got on and they fully got on the phone uh-huh. with her and was like hey Cynthia and ended up talking to her and and which is very nice of him yeah this I how do you secure Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson mm-hmm. to play mm-hmm. themselves in an episode mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know this was a coup this was yeah, really yeah. cool yeah the idea of freeze lightning it's another one of those sci-fi conceits where it's like, you know what? If we're going to do it, now's the time mm-hmm. and place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of put it up there with exploding tumors. What, what are your no, thoughts? No, I, I disagree. You that disagree? My, I, no, I disagree. I vehemently disagree. I think actually freeze lightning is kind of cool. Although <laughs> it, could, it could actually, it, 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 it kind of steers into sort of comical territory. But um, we don't kill... We don't kill a. Uh, I mean, if if if, if you, even if you were to kill a main character with freeze lightning, that's a lot cooler than an exploding tumor. Point taken. Okay, mm. very well. And a a burgeoning relationship between. Um, uh, 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 I was about to say David Hill and Jewel State. No, <laughs> Doc yeah. uh, Doctor Keller and Doctor McKay. Yep. 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 David Hewlett uh, doesn't think that it would have lasted. Hmm. Do you disagree? Know. That is, uh, I like to think it would have lasted. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of fans agree with you. Mm-hmm. He, he mm-hmm. was like, I just don't see it happening. I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think you're going to have a lot of people in your corner, but you know, kudos to David for, for standing yeah. up for what he feels. Yeah. Infection. Uh, mm-hmm. this was an episode, uh, by uh, another episode by Alan McCullough, Ty, mm-hmm. uh, Todd's hive ship. Uh, shows up over Atlantis. I think he has also another ZPM in his possession. We we see what um, the the Wraith drones look like when they're being born. Mm-hmm. That was creepy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any thoughts on this one? Uh, this is another one that uh, I wasn't expecting to go through every episode of season I apologize. No, you should you, it's your mind, fault. But, you uh, did it in season four. You were moving through, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean... Uh, uh, sadly, no, I don't. I okay. don't remember that much about this episode. Understood. Identity. Mm-hmm. Keller is in, uh, is taken over. The communication stones come back for yeah. this episode. Yep. Don Olivieri plays Neva mm-hmm. Castle, a murderer mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. just starts stabbing people on yep. Atlantis. I I remember Kurzelenka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, you know, and and now Keller's put in the body of a murderer, and 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 what mm-hmm. do you do? And I remember the ending of this episode and how it was very nearly Keller who got 
the on the mm-hmm. chopping block. Yeah. And it's a fitting, uh, arguably a very fitting ending for such a, you know, a rag of a human being. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I remember some of the feedback we got from this episode was outraged that uh, the executioner was killed. Um, it was like, well, he's just, he's just some guy trying to do his job, <laughs> you know, and then he gets shot. Oh, jeez. I didn't hear this. Okay. Yeah. Vegas. Uh, oh, Vegas, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. So this was... Another this was, fan favorite. Yes. A Rob Cooper. A Robert Cooper joins. Yeah. Went to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil Jackson is brought in. Yeah. Who oh. was, was previously uh, Anubis's son in uh, mm-hmm. uh, SG-1. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys went on location. Did you end up going to Las Vegas? For I did one? not. You did not. I did not. Okay. Uh, what did you think of this episode? I, I think it's one of the best episodes we've ever done in the franchise. Um, very memorable, very, very different. Uh, yet at the same time, I mean, that's what you want with one of these um, kind of parallel universe episodes. Uh, it just allows you to explore a completely different genre in this case, sort of the, uh, the police procedural with the sci-fi uh, slant. Sci-fi and, um, is all it just, genres. It's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. embodied with this episode. And yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah. And it leads into our um, series finale, mm-hmm. which uh, is... We did not know. Yeah, we did not know it was going to be our series finale until, you know, right at the very end. And, and, and uh, yeah, what, we, we, at least we, we thought that we would have the opportunity to maybe make the movie because we had kind of that script, that uh, Stargate Extinction script uh, no, in hand, but um, alas, it was not to be. When the the episode was in production, did you know at that point, or did the did the information come later that the show was? No, it I'm had trying to, to remember come the timeline. While it was in production. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember the timeline. I don't remember the episode, but I remember we were in production because I I got word and I ended up going down to the okay. cast and 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 uh, breaking the news to them. Okay, this episode has a breakneck speed. There is mm. there is so much happening inside of it, and uh, it doesn't let up until until the very end when we're staring at San Francisco Bay. Um, mm. It's uh, action. It's it's full of action. It's it's regularly rated as 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 one of the best uh, episodes of the show. When when the Blu-rays were being put out. Uh, for the the special for Atlantis, Rising and Enemy at the Gate were were the two episodes that were put on that um, disc, and it mm. brings back Todd and allows us to play with the idea of the Wraith finally reaching Earth, which I think was you know it was something that was teased about for a long time, and I'm glad we finally got to see them executing it. I think it was important mm. for it to do so, and a, mm. a hive ship that was like three or four times the size of a normal one. You know, this thing was buff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was it um, a satisfying ending, in in uh, your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I, as as far as, as as endings go, I think it was it was satisfying in that it kind of plays like a series finale, even though that really wasn't the intent when we were we were writing it. Although it does leave some questions regarding Taylor and Ronan and, and and Todd, and if not, you know, Atlantis uh, as a whole, city of Atlantis, where you know where would it go from there in those final closing moments? But um, just, you know, that, that, that final shot of everyone on, on, on the, uh, on the balcony is a great one, I think. 
it's a solid season of of uh episodes yeah. and a solid way to to finish um uh the the first SG1 spin-off it's mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. it's it's quite the show and i am uh, i i'm glad that you guys got to do the the five seasons that you did which is i mean it's it's a great run by by any yeah. uh, standard yeah. especially today nowadays you know? yeah 100 episodes 100 episodes yeah for sure let's go to some viewer questions fantastic Gary Jordan wanted to know your thoughts on Stargate Origins and also if it's possible to see Suji. Uh, I never saw Stargate Origins. You did not. And uh, I did not. So I cannot pass judgment on that. And hang on just a sec. <laughs> He's going to fetch the dog for Gary Jordan. Oh. She's she's uh she has stopped walking, so we got her a special new wheelchair. Aww. And um, Akemi gives her this soup that is like heavy turmeric based, so you know she's all yellow here because she she ends up uh, putting half her face in the bowl and, and it ends up staining her uh, her fur. How old is she now? Right, she is. She's going to be seventeen May fifth. Ah, yes, old yes. lady. So, yes, yes. I think I keep on saying I think I want to do one more show. And then I'm going to retire and I'm just going to monetize uh, her and just kind of live off uh, yeah. uh, whatever I make off her. She should be like, I think, I guess 22 by that time. Do a Suji cam. That would, would be great. I would love yeah. Suji cam. Yeah. You know, yeah. absolutely. Very exciting. I'm coming up um, uh, for uh, GateCon in September. I would love to meet her. Uh, GateCon is in Vancouver? Yep. Other side of the country. Sadly, I'm in Toronto. Hang on. I knew I that. I knew that. Why am I? Oh, for gosh sakes. I forgot he was in Toronto. Why am I? Uh, you're when, absolutely when right. It's in September. It's funny because I, it, you can be excused. I remember when uh, some MGM uh, some MGM executives came up to visit us in Vancouver and they were like, hey, we're thinking of doing like a, uh, uh, you know, a short kind of uh, uh, like uh, spend a night in Toronto and then come back to Vancouver. Do you think we can do that? And I was like, sure. I mean, would you, if you were visiting LA, would you pop over to New York for a night and come back? <laughs> I don't think so, but I mean, it's possible. Yeah, right. Jeez. Teresa MC. Uh, if if there had been a season six, would Zelenka, Lauren, and Banks have uh, had an episode uh, featuring them? <clears throat> um, I'm not sure if there would be an episode featuring them, but certainly they would have played a large part in uh, mm. whatever we had planned for season six. Judy Wilder. This is, this is interesting. Please ask why in the final episode, when they asked Taylor, if she was willing to leave Pegasus, why she expressed no regrets about leaving her baby behind. The baby was in Atlantis, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It wasn't, it, would it wasn't just abandoning the child. Yes. Her and Kanan no. was there too, I think. Yeah. Yes. So. In fact, yes, he was. All right. Let's see here. Yuki at home. Yuki at home. You love the time travel stuff. Do you ever get confused when writing your own scripts? I do not because <laughs> by the time I sit down to write the script, the logic and structure are bulletproof. So we discuss. <laughs> yeah, I, we, got, we come up with the idea. Then we discuss it internally. And we had someone like Paul, my former writing partner, who would be Mr. Logic. And he would go through the logic you know, of every twist and turn with a fine tooth comb. And then we would write the, the outline 
we would outline the episode and everyone would read it. And if there were any holes in, in, in the story or, or the mechanics of the time travel, uh, someone would, you know, punch a hole through them. And uh, I would have to find a way to sort of, you know, patch up that hole, but very rarely. Uh, and, and then by the time it, it got time to write the script, mm. You know, we, you know, it, it was theoretically solid. I always say theoretically solid. There are always, yeah. I mean, you're only, you guys mm-hmm. are only human. So, but it's one mm-hmm. of those logic puzzles where you have to work, you have to work yeah. it backwards just to make sure yeah. that it's solid. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those where, you know, if you're going to, if, if you're going, if you're going to use time travel, those, I think that those are the, the stories that you really have to go in bulletproof. Otherwise they yeah. just don't. But that's one of my issues with, with the, with Endgame, uh, the, the Marvel, uh, film. There's, there's, there's an issue with Captain America trying to find, uh, did you see Endgame? I did. Okay. The original Captain America comes back to our reality, even though he had lived out Mm. his life in another reality or something. And I was like, how did that work? And I went online and there was a video that was a half an hour long Mm -hmm. explaining. I'm like, that's too much. (laughs) You have to spend a half an hour explaining that. No way. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh. Um, uh, Yuki at home also wanted to know uh, which episode in season five was the hardest to name. And was there a process to name episodes? That's a question I've never asked. That's a good one. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, the writer of the episode usually came up with the uh, with the episode title, okay. and some just came easier than others. Um, I, I personally hated coming up with episode titles. Really? Um, I, I, to be honest with you, I think all of the writers hated coming up with episode title titles. <laughs> um, in terms of season five, off the top of my head, I'm trying to sort of think of. Uh, of of, um, of the episodes, search and rescue, the sea, broken ties, uh, whispers. I don't think there was. I remember in forty eight hours, your original title was Teal Interrupted. Yes, and you wanted yeah. that to stick, and they're like, no, 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 yeah, no, no. I think it would have been a great title. And it Thank doesn't. You. It isn't until we get to Atlantis when we have episodes named after characters: Tao, Tao of Rodney and uh, mm-hmm, McKay mm-hmm. and Mrs. Miller. Mm-hmm, so it, mm-hmm. before that had never been the case. Yeah. Um, 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 let me see here. That dude right there, Joe. Would you have brought back the Sakari in season six? Um, possibly. Okay. Possibly. I'm not saying I wouldn't have. <laughs> William Aaron's. Why wasn't a more recurring role found for an actor like Dopud in SG One or SGA? He got his comeuppance uh, in SGU. Yeah, I mean, he was a regular in or semi-regular in uh, in Stargate Universe. Okay, I, we've asked this question before. Um, I'll I'll let I'll let Joe answer it though. Oliver, I'd like to ask. Oliver wants to know uh, plans for Dark Matter since the Netflix Netflix pitch was turned down. Um, you know, it's in uh, it's in limbo, frankly. And I think actually the best uh, the best bet for me, as strange as it sounds, is to get another show off the ground and use the heat off that show to set up a Dark Matter miniseries that would p- take place maybe five or six years after the. Uh, uh, the events the of events. Um, season four finale. Sounds good to me. Raj Luthra, were there ever any further plans to bring Ford back? We see him uh, briefly in yeah. season five, which I think was a great cameo. But were there any, was there any consideration further? Um, No. Although in my mind, you know, people feel as did he die? In my mind, 
he didn't die. He's still somewhere out there. Okay. Waiting for his next story. Carlos Takeshi, I'd love to hear about all the cameos in Brainstorm. Were all these people Stargate fans? Uh, not that I know of. This would be a question for Martin Garrow, who you should have on. Absolutely. Uh, Raj uh, said, were there plans for the last episode for Enemy at the Gate to be a two-part story? Uh, no. In fact, uh, you know, one of the things, it's funny. Um, there's certain episodes that we'll, 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 um, we'll do and people will say, oh, this, ha- this should have been a two-parter. And then there are other episodes, you know, they'll say, ah, oh, there's just, you know, it's, 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 this two parters could have been like one, you know, could have been right. one episode. And this is one of those episodes where there's, as you pointed out, a lot going on, but there was never any plans to make it a two parter. William Aaron's, uh, had there been a season six, would uh, Woolsey have potentially found companionship? Uh, it's possible. I mean, we kind of explored that in Remnants in a kind of a fun mm-hmm. way. Yeah. But, William uh, brought up uh, uh, with McKay and Keller uh, and Ronan mm-hmm. and Banks getting together. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Sakari woman, it might have been interesting had she returned. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what? I think it by, was kind of yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? <laughs> I mean, I'm a probe, but do you mind? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can sit me on the on your on your desk. <laughs> uh, Who knows? E z z z z z z z z a. Jason Momoa announced during production on season five he probably would just do one more season of the show. By the end of the show, did you have a plan in mind for his out? We did not. Okay. Even though he does I, get killed. I, 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 you know, we, we, we were never um, at the point where we would have discussed that, uh, you know, that scenario. So, you know, Got it. We, we didn't get a, a, point, uh, a chance to even discuss season six. We were actually canceled uh, even before we wrapped production on season five. Aka Kamkyu. What are your thoughts on the mind battles in Stargate? Daniel facing off against Replicator Carter, Taylor versus a Wraith Queen. These these mind conflicts that that you know are all in the face and actually mm-hmm. end up impacting the real world. Um, I, you know, I always love those types of episodes just because we have such a diverse range of characters uh, and intellect. Um, and you know, it's just kind of the classic story of, of the lowly human coming up against the, whether it be the alien mind or the AI mind, uh, it it was just fun to explore. Mm -hmm. Dan, Ben, did you ever make a reference to a Star Trek or a Star Wars ship that looked like it's from there, but it had to be removed from a script or episode because it was too close? No. Okay. Not that I recall. The um the gray aliens with the red chip in their heads from uh the Daedalus variations their yes. their spacecraft was very star destroyer like, but it was cool. Uh, I loved that okay. design. I, I I was not aware. I'm not familiar with star destroyer. <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, Gate Nerd says, "What do you think about how streaming services don't have access to the commentaries for DVD extras? Is there a legal reason or just something else?" Um, I don't know. And to be honest with you, I mean, it it'd be an interesting option mm. to to offer, but uh, yeah, I I I don't know why they don't do it. It's just I you know I've always looked at it as you know it's just another it's another special feature. Um, yeah, like like any of the other special features that aren't uh, that aren't offered, and it's a shame. 
Yeah, to be honest with you, I never, I never even thought about it. I mean, usually when I think I want to watch a show, I will watch a show. If you want to watch it in Japanese, you can watch it in Japanese or, or listen to it in Japanese or listen to it in, 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 in Korean. But uh, yeah, the option of, of, of having, you know, you know, switching to a uh, to commentary is a good one. When, when we were developing um, the uh, Stargate Command website, there was definite uh, consideration that in a, in a, a future version was going to add the commentaries for the episodes that are, mm. that were there. Mm. And I can say definitively um, that I am in production for some commentaries on uh, dial the gate as well. So oh, nice. I'm looking forward to having those roll out. Joe, it has, as always uh, been a pleasure to have you on. We've finished two shows now, have one more to go. Oh, fantastic! It's just crazy. Um, the content that you guys produced and the fact that, uh, I, I get to sit, uh, through, you know, mining these episodes with mm-hmm. you is a, such a pleasure. And I'm so fortunate I, to have you. Thank you. I, I have to say this, uh, this trip through memory lane for Atlantis has made me very nostalgic and my back line, I'm thinking, you know, I never actually sat down to watch the show I, I, I neither SG one or, uh, Atlantis. Um, you know, because we would watch so many iterations of, of the cuts and, uh, when we were in production that I never sat down to watch um, the shows from beginning to the end. I did that with Universe because Akemi wanted, my wife Akemi wanted to mm-hmm. check out Stargate Universe, which she absolutely loved. I was actually surprised by how much she, she loved it. I was like, well, you can watch the first episode if you like it. And every night we were watching She hooked on to it. Well, that's cool. She was heartbroken that it was uh, canceled. Yeah. I'm right there with time. her. That, that mm. last 15 minutes of that series, and we'll get to it when it comes to it. But. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Joel Goldsmith is just ripping my heart out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you go, and I appreciate uh, you taking the time. And we will uh, set up plans for March, good sir. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Happy 120. <laughs> you take care of yourself, Joe. See ya. Bye bye. Joseph Malazzi, executive producer, Stargate Atlantis. Always a pleasure to have uh, Joe on to discuss each and every season of the series. Uh, For the month of March, we will have him back to discuss universe season one. I do have a couple of, uh, I do have one question that was, was submitted to me and I wanted to get to that. Our Redev, please ask David about Sam J. Jones. He was supposed to be one of the first guests. What happened? That is a great question. So originally Sam, I'll tell you the story. So we were, I I was at comic con San Diego. This was, 2009, 2010, and Sam was walking the floor, and he has his own um, he, his own company, and uh, he was there for reasons for for that company, and I I told him who I was and that you know I worked for GateWorld at the time that I would love to have him on to uh, discuss uh, his character and Eris Bach is arguably one of, one of the cooler, uh, more, uh, nostalgic characters from, uh, SG one's earlier seasons that everyone just, just talks about. And so he handed me his business card with his phone number and his, um, and his email address on it. And I ended up putting it away in my fire safe for years. I don't know why I didn't have him on, on gate world. It just didn't seem right at the time. But when I started doing this show, I was like, you know what? I would love to have, him uh have him back 
or have him on the show to discuss Eris Bach and this this one-off uh, uh, character that he created. And so I emailed him and he said, uh, I'm in the middle of uh, X, Y, and Z right now, but when that is over with, I will come on and I will do uh, the show. And so when we originally did the uh, the lineup of the initial episode, of the initial guests, there were 30 of them, I put him on that list. And I have since tried to reach out to him uh, I think three separate times and uh, I've gotten some response from him here and there, but I just haven't been able to to make the connection. And it's one of those that's really like, oh, I would love to sit down with this guy and talk with him for 45 minutes. Um, but we haven't been able to make it work yet. And I apologize for that because I announced uh, him as a guest and I haven't been able to follow through um, with that promise. And that is my fault. So, it's on my list. Let me just put it that way. Okay. Merchandise. We create t-shirts for Dial the Gate. You can buy yourself some of our themed swag if you want to support the show further. It's t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, and hoodies for all ages, as well as cups and other accessories in a variety of sizes and colors. What you're seeing right now are the designs that are available on dialthegate.com slash merch. You can turn them into any number of items that are listed for that uh, corresponding design. All you have to do is visit the website uh, dialthegate.com and click on the merchandise tab and go from there. And thanks so much for your support. That's me and my artistic, um, the artistic side of me trying out some designs. I need to go in there and make make a couple more. I've had a few more on the brain. Thank you so much to my producer, Linda Gategabber Fury, uh, as well as my moderating team, Summer, Tracy, Keith, Jeremy, Reese, Anthony. You guys make the show happen, and I could not do it without you. Big thanks to Frederick Marcoux, our web developer for Dial the Gate, and Jeremy Heiner, our webmaster who keeps the site up to date. Upcoming episodes. There are a number of them that are in the can. or not. In, well, actually, two are in the can for when I go to L.A. next week. So, March the 5th, 12 p.m. Pacific time, we have The Companion on for an exclusive episode. We brought in Lawrence Cow to discuss the companion and their goals for their website. And also they're providing at least a, it's, I, my understanding is it's about a half an hour of uh, exclusive uh, content from The Companion, including uh, scenes with uh, Richard Dean Anderson and Amanda Tapping, Michael Shanks, Jewel State, uh, David Hewlett. From their various exclusive events, they are, they are bringing that to Dial the Gate for free. Uh, I am also uh, working on a... Uh, I have my own uh, uh, column with them that's going to be appearing. If it hasn't debuted yet already, it's going to be appearing very shortly on on the Companion website dealing with the philosophy of Stargate. So uh, we wanted to dovetail uh, that in with an interview with Lawrence, the, uh, the CEO and co-founder of the Companion. Uh, so that's going to be airing on March the 5th at 12 p.m. That's a pre-recorded episode. All, all next week's episodes are pre-recorded, including at 2 p.m., James Lafazanos, the Wraith Commander. Uh, he is joining us for that show. And uh, we, we talked for... Uh, well over an hour. It was a fantastic hour. GateWorld has a preview of it. That's going to be launching on that website this this coming week. So the companion at 12 noon on the 5th of March and at 2 p.m. It's going to be 
um, uh, Pacific Time James Lafazanos to discuss uh, his various Wraith roles on Stargate Atlantis. Then on the 12th of March, I have Sue Ann Braun returning for part three of uh, her interviews with us on Hathor and her recent goings-on. She was recently featured in a video game called Dying Light 2 as one of the main characters. She played about 10 different roles, and so we're going to have her back, so you can talk with Sue Ann then. And then on the 19th of March at 12 noon Pacific time, here's one you might not expect. Britt Irvin, who played uh, Marin in the season three episode, SG-1 episode, Learning Curve. One of my favorite episodes of the show. We reached out to her and she said, yes, would love to come on. So it's one of the things I'm wanting to do now is explore some of the kids of Stargate who had performances when they were younger on the show. And Britt is the first. And also we just got in touch with Jeff Gulka, who played young Charlie in the episode Show and Tell. He has also agreed to come on and do uh, Dial the Gate as well. Uh, uh, we're still working on the dates for, for Jeff. But uh, I'm really excited about this lineup and uh, can't wait to explore those episodes uh, with you guys further in depth with uh, having these guests on. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. It really means the world to me to be able to do uh, this show and continue to bring you exclusive Stargate content week after week. My name is David Reed for Dial the Gate. Thanks so much for watching. I'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producers are Darren Sumner and Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The moderators are Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design is by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots. The webmaster is Frederick Marcoux. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Frederick Marcoux. For inquiries, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com. Thanks for listening.